What's up, podcast, and welcome to the penultimate episode of Chasing Kangaroos for 2019, our second last episode for the decade. How fucking freaky is that? But it's true. And uh, guys, just want to say big thanks to to all of you for listening, sharing, uh, whether you're walking the dog, walking to work, driving to work, on the train, on the treadmill, whatever you're doing, uh, hanging the clothes on the line, whatever you're doing, listening uh, to me. I'm very humbled, very grateful. It's been an awesome year. There's two episodes left. This is the second last one. Um, And tonight, well, plans change sometimes, right? So tonight I had a really awesome episode planned. It's still an awesome episode. But the plan was, and if you follow me on Instagram, you would have heard me talk about this a little bit on my my walk and talks, my live videos on the way to work. Um, But there was a major announcement which was going to take place this week. Uh, It... It affects rugby league in the Pacific and parts of Europe as well. Uh, And I was going to interview someone heavily involved in, let's call it the secret project for now, uh, just to build some intrigue. Uh, So the interview was meant to happen. The announcement was meant to happen. And that interview was going to sort of explain a little bit more, go a little bit deep into that announcement and what that could mean. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, it's still happening, so don't worry. uh, But unfortunately, the... Uh, the announcement is, has been postponed until next year for various reasons. And it does mean that I can't really talk about it. So I've probably already said too much. Um, but yeah, can't talk about it until next year. I know as soon as you hear this, I'm probably going to get hundreds of DMs on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter asking me what it, it's actually about. I can't say, don't ask. You probably will anyway, but I can't say. Warning you from now. But um, so yeah, plans have to change very quickly. Um, and I thought, who can I speak to? What's exciting me about rugby league around the world right now? And there's plenty going on, but the nation that's exciting me the most this week is Brazil. So there's plenty going on. Their championships happening, women's rugby league getting ready for their World Cup. The World Cup trophy is currently in Brazil, going around schools and and, and uh, country towns and things like that. A lot of the administration are there as well on this tour. And Rob Bergen, the founder of the Latin Heat Rugby League, uh, he's on that tour as well, and he's helping out and doing some great things. So I got in touch with Rob, said, look, mate, spots opened up on the podcast, second last episode, do you want to do it? Let's talk Brazil. He obliged, he came on, I spoke to him just now, and I'm about to play that recording for you. So uh, we heard from Rob, Rob, he's the godfather of Latino Heat, Latin Rugby League, the founder. Uh, We heard from him on episode 30 of this podcast, and many of you may remember, if, you, if you've listened to it, if you listened back then, um, it's the only episode of Chasing Kangaroos which I did not host or take part in. So I had a week off, uh, had some important duties to take care of, and Rob um, hosted very kindly, uh, gave us a history lesson on rugby league in South and Central America, and gave us some updates and news into a lot of what was going on. If you haven't listened to that before, episode 30 of Chasing Kangaroos, check it out, get to know a little bit um, about Rob as well before this interview. We go straight into conversation, like no real introductions or anything, it's just straight into the convo. Uh, I hope you like it. I'll be back at the end for Golden Points, but until then, Robert Bergen, let's talk about rugby league in Brazil. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. All right, I'm speaking to the godfather of Latin rugby league, Mr. Rob Bergen. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. That's a bit of a wrap. There's, there's a lot of other people that have contributed plenty, but I, I enjoy the title. <laughs> Man, I know there, there's obviously plenty of people involved, but you, you get called the godfather a lot. Um, so does it sit okay with you? Or like, what's, you know, how, how far back does that date? <laughs> I think Adam Wright is solely responsible for this. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's quite fine, mate. I, I just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that, that people recognize, um, 
how much I love uh, Latin American rugby league, and 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 I kind of view it as as having a, a nice relationship with a lot of the players. That's that's the cool thing I like about it. So um, they're an extended family for me, and and I'm very fond of of a lot of these blokes. They've become um, mates, and um, you know, almost like like surrogate children in a way. So the whole project means a lot to me. That's awesome, man. And you've done plenty over there, obviously, and currently. Uh, your role is with Brazil. So I'll get you to, I guess, give us... I always ask for the Marvel character origin story when when I'm speaking to people on the show. You've obviously been on Chasing Kangaroos before, so many of our listeners know who you are. If people are new to the show, they're probably familiar with the work you've done for Latin Heat anyway as well. But can you just give us a quick rundown as to maybe not so much the, the full history, but what you're doing right now? Okay, sure. So we've got a five-week development tour happening throughout Brazil uh, and Colombia, for that matter. Uh, and the highlight, I guess, is the Rugby League World Cup has been visiting for the last five days. Uh, so there's three delegates from England um, and the Rugby League Football League, uh, Rugby Football League, and the um, Rugby League World Cup um, steering committee have been over, um, and we've done a series of school clinics, uh, in-store appearances. We did. Um, we had eight games on Saturday where they also came along and ran concurrent uh, skills clinics and kind of like a, an update so we could, um, you know, help people understand rugby league a little bit more because they don't, they don't get that constant contact or exposure to it here. Um, and then yesterday we had sort of like a strategic meeting of, of where the sport's heading and what we can do to, to prime Brazil for the Women's World Cup in 2021, which... You know, I'm sure most of your avid listeners will realise that that's happening. But um, for those who this is their first episode, it's it's the, going to be the first time a Latin American team um, of any description has participated in a Rugby League World Cup. So uh, very exciting, a, a big opportunity, a daunting one, but um, one that we want to make the, the best of. And Rob, tell us, like, what's your role with that Brazilian team? Is it, are, you, is it um, are you the player manager for Brazil, for the women's side? Is that the role? Yeah, I think I'm officially is is football manager and and I guess I'm sort of in charge of strategy and logistics uh, of where we're headed with direction. So it's um it it has a lot of commercial component to it as well. So um yeah, it's it, I mean it's probably the highlight of of the last few years for me. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, this is awesome, man. You're doing such a good job already, and I know there's still a long journey ahead uh, for 2021 for the women's side. So t- tell me about – so I have seen the World Cup trophy uh, around in plenty of um, Instagram photos over there in Brazil at the moment, so I, I, I'm aware that it's happening. I've seen, like, photos of school kids playing rugby league over there um, as, as a result of this. I saw a post the other day. There was – you know, and I think that I think it came from the Brazil Rugby League page – uh, could have been on yours as well, mate. And you were talking about how, you know, twice as many kids came out for a rugby league clinic. Tell me about that. How how that all happened, and and yeah, well, how was it received? Yeah, I'm I'm going to make a video about this. It was one of those moments where you kind of have to um you have to pinch yourself. We we rocked up at the school. It was supposed to be 40 kids. It ended up being 80 um, plus a whole heap of adults that wanted to come along for. The ride was actually so big that we couldn't fit into the school ground um, oh. facility that they had. So we had to walk to a place that was about a cane and a half away. And we, we walked with the um, the school children as a group and they were singing like, aloha, 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 all the way. Um, and people <laughs> on the street, people in shops were stopping to look at us. And uh, yeah, mate, it was amazing. It was like the Pied Piper. They had the World Cup and they were leading a group of 80 children through the streets of Sao Paulo. And then we found this... Um, yeah, like a recreation club that is surrounded by trees and that sort of added to the whole Brazil atmosphere, you know. Um, yeah, it, it was really amazing. So um, I, I think everything's been great about this weekend, but that was the highlight for me. It was incredibly hard not to feel sort of blown away by um, by the positive response. And what were the – like how did the kids find out about it? What what was the – the talent like were they excited did they did they fall in love like what was the result yeah so um everything the, the credit for the organizing that has to go to hugo froze who's the, the you know the chief operating officer in brazil domestically he organized all these activities and um paved the way for us to get into schools and uh, there's actually some really positive news to come out we had a meeting with city hall last week and they're going to uh allow um 
a program that Hugo's running with a, a fellow called Tiago, um, who's also an amazing person, and they're going out to uh, thousands of school children. So a rugby league program has been approved by Sao Paulo City Council to run here throughout the school system. Um, that's an amazing step forward. That's um, huge. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt, I think I, I lost direction with your original question, but um, I, I felt should should drop that in there because you know, Hugo deserves a massive amount of respect for, for being able to, to make that happen. We know, you know, even in, in cities in Australia, it's, it's hard to get rugby league into schools in some places. So to do it in a emerging nation, um, you know, where your, your national team is, is fairly unknown at this stage is, is amazing. It's, it's massive, man. It's, and Hugo's doing a great job over there, you know, and I, I just, I, I, I wonder how it's all going to look in five, 10 years time, so to speak. And you spoke a little bit about, you know, some strategic planning happening over the last week as well. We've seen the, the top, the top one, the Brazilian championship happening over the last few weeks as well. I want to try and dig as deep into all of that as I can. So you were, were you refereeing some of the games over the weekend from the, from the championship, the finals? Yeah. Yeah. I refereed all the men's games and one of the women's games. So uh, five games all up, which was <laughs> my old legs are, are feeling it now. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so who impressed? So obviously was it your Ur Uratau? Is that how you pronounce the, the name of the winners for the men's? Yeah, very close. It's Uratau, um, and that's so they're in San Jose de Pinhais, but uh, which is connected to Cotachiba, which is yep. one of the biggest top biggest cities in in Brazil, and it's a really big um, airport hub. It has a a fairly good rugby union history, and um, it's it's kind of like a colonial city. It's a bit different to what I think most people would imagine Brazil to be, yep. um, but those guys. Um, there's a reason why they won and won so convincingly against, you know, all the teams is that they've been having sessions where they just watch pre-recorded rugby league or streams as a group in their, you know, clubhouse, wherever they gather. And they're so hungry to learn more about rugby league and what differentiates it from other football codes. Uh, and you can see that the way they play is, you know, it's a really exciting way of playing rugby league. Um, one thing I'd say to, to people is over here, there's not, hardly any holding down in the ruck um so the game is extremely fast like as as a referee was just running backwards constantly you don't have that five second play the ball it's more like one second wow. um so obviously to compete against the high nations that's that's got to improve but from a spectator um perspective the the attacking football is really enjoyable yeah really exciting like no wrestle mm -hmm. like that's crazy nowadays so that would be really cool to see actually and and so tell us about how um the 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 competition or the championship worked this year so we had six teams two two um groups how how yeah. did it all work I, I i understand it went sort of over a three-week period yeah that's right so they played in in two kind of conferences and then they merged uh they had named the top two teams out of those conferences. They played in the semi-finals in the in the on the weekend. Um, they played the semi-final in the morning and the final at night. But it, it's necessary because the teams over here are, are all coming from say like five hours away. So um, the, yeah, the four teams that were in the male finals on the weekend were from all over that distance. Um, yeah, there were more women's teams, um, and some of them were were local. Uh, but again. We had some girls that weren't associated with the team but were individual players who'd come from, you know, the furthest extents of the country. So they just got in touch and said, look, I, I don't have a team, but can I, you know, jump onto one? Uh, and then they organised their own bus tour. Like some came down with their, their parents. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's motivating because, you know, there's no money in it at this point in time, but people willing to travel from the other side of the country to, to have a shot. And they know, especially the girls, they know there's a World Cup coming up and, you know, we might be taking some players to Australia or to England to develop. Uh, and that's, you know, that's an exciting opportunity for a kid from Brazil. Well, I was going to ask, why do you think that passion is there? And you've kind of answered that, especially from the women's perspective. You know, these mm. girls could be having a chance to travel and play an awesome sport and, you know, you know, make some great friendships and all that sort of thing along the way. So these, these was it a nines tournament for the women? No, it was all and, thirteen aside. Yeah. Oh, that was all thirteen aside. Awesome. Yeah. And and so, what? Who who impressed? Have we? Are there like? Are you? 
are you sort of using these matches as sort of trials for um, future for the national side in the lead up to 2021? Like, like where does that go? Yeah. So to this weekend really was the, the first step in that trial. I mean, we've seen players before, but we wanted to collectively view them and how they handled having a couple of games in a day and, um, yep. you know, just, just general demeanour seeing because we've got to have um, a squad of players who are not only skilled athletes but are going to be, you know, switched on mentally and up to the task um, and who, you know, are going to to be loyal to rugby league in the build-up to that um, to the World Cup happening. So there's a lot of factors to bring into it. From here, it'll get much more specific um, and we'll start to really sort of drill down to the core group. But we're also in a growth phase in the sense that we want to identify at least probably 20 to 25 people from other sports who are of an elite um, elite ability and then uh, and integrate them into the program. So, you know, we're, we'd be foolish to think that we've, you know, tapped into the best athletes in Brazil when there's 220 million people here and we've got, say, yeah. six clubs at the moment. So... Um, my understanding is someone said to me the other day, there's more than 100,000 rugby union players in Brazil now, and it's it's something like tripled in the last 10 years, the number of rugby union players. Uh, and if you look at Argentina, which is considered a stronghold of the game, they've got 110,000 players. So Brazil's really not that far behind. Um, and the one thing I observed from all the games of rugby league over here on the weekend is the contact is definitely not missing. So I've been to some other developing nations and the contact could can kind of scare people off or they're not sort of made for it um and but they excel in other parts of the game but in brazil it's it's really they've got the contact down pat they've just got to get some technical uh skills which can be done and who's over there helping with that are there coaches on the ground what's what's the story there yeah so on this current tour with me there's uh paul grundy who's kind of our head of coaching and development he's a level three coach who's also uh he's able to accredit coaches back in australia so he can is that people with... is that zach's dad yeah it is zach's dad yeah, yeah cool cool um, uh and then from from england um we've got uh dave rotherham from the rugby football league who's the chief on-field officer he's been over doing most of the development work but also lois forsell who played in two world cups through the english women's team um yep. you may know she's she's medically retired uh, this year, which is, you know, quite, I suppose, a challenge for her. She's only only young, but um, she's trying to put as much as she can into the women's game around the world. And she was very passionate um, in everything she spoke about. And, and the girls loved having someone who's been to a World Cup around. And uh, <laughs> she was getting asked for autographs a lot and photos. Which oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Um, what, what, were they asking the godfather for autographs or not, not really? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of photos, no autographs. Uh. <laughs> Mate, um, that's that's all fantastic. And and what well, is there? How's the language barrier? Like, do they do they speak a little bit of English there? Do you guys do you speak Portuguese? Like, what's how how's that all work? Yeah, eu falo português um pouco. I can speak a little bit of Portuguese. Um, yeah. And then I, I can understand a fair bit of it. Uh, Paul speaks more um, than I do. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, usually we, we find two or three people in the team that have got a good grasp of English and we communicate via them. So, um, it, you know, it's not easy all the time, but we've kind of find, found our way around it in most situations. And and Tiago and Hugo, as I said, they're going to schools, they've got a good level of English. Um, yeah, so we make it work. You mentioned um, like potential like pathways and development, like maybe bringing some of the girls over to Australia, maybe next year and things like that. Is what what does that look like, and and you know what are the plans? So you're probably aware that next year they're moving to a state league women's competition in Queensland. I'm I'm unsure yep. if that's been wholly approved in New South Wales yet. Do you know? I I think the Queensland one. I, th I heard about the Queensland one probably a week or two ago. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's on the table for New South Wales as well, but I'm not sure if we'll go ahead next year or the year after. But anyway, that, that presents an opportunity for them to be in the elite system more because that state league season will, will then roll into the origin, women's origin season, then will roll into the um, NRLW. So 
there's an opportunity to be in, involved all year round in an elite women's comp instead of going back to suburban leagues. Yeah. Uh, so with those teams coming in, they're looking for some, you know, elite caliber players. And uh, yeah, so we've got some that have played at the Olympics in, in rugby union that would be up for the task and, and others who think we think could step up from, you know, from other sports or just from what we've seen in rugby league. So um, we'd like to embed them with a couple of clubs like, there is a lot of finances involved. So, you know, flights from Brazil to Australia, about $2,000. Um, and then you've got visas and accommodation and et cetera, et cetera, to add on top. So it's not a cheap exercise. We've put in for a couple of grants. Um, we'd welcome anyone who wants to sponsor what's a fairly amazing opportunity for these, you know, girls to kind of come from the wilderness of rugby league to, to be yeah. in a world stage. So, you know, it's it's kind of like a movie in, in some ways. If if that can happen, then it certainly, you know, make will make Brazil a little more competitive come twenty twenty one. Are there plans for some national games, both men and women, like getting the national side together? Is there anything in in the works there? Yeah, the I guess the difficulty with that is that Argentina is probably the the closest one. Um, yep. that provide opposition. We know that Argentina's had some difficulties in recent months, so hopefully that gets ironed out soon enough so that we can, can play them or otherwise we might just, you know, organise some unofficial matches in that regard. There's Chile, there's a possibility. Canada's very keen to play us. Um, that's It's just a matter of, you know, again, finance for that because we'd have to probably fly to Florida if we, we met halfway uh, yep. on that one. Uh yeah, I think there's been some discussions with South Africa more around the, the men's competition. And, of course, you know, there's the opportunity there to, to play all the Latin American nations in the men's. It's it's, it's much easier to find men's opposition um, at the moment in Latin America, but we think the women's game will probably come on in leaps and bounds from this. I just love hearing, like, Brazil versus South Africa, Brazil versus Canada. Like, this is this is the kind of stuff that, as a rugby league fan, you know, we never would have expected just a few short years ago. And I guess, you know, I've been I've been recording this podcast for a year, so nothing should surprise me. But there's something really exciting about Brazil for me right now. Uh, so would you say both the men's and women's are growing quickly or is it is the women's growing a little bit faster because of this World Cup potential in 2021? Oh, yeah, I'd say maybe the women's is going a bit faster, but the one thing that's changing quickly is the standard. So, yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't say numbers haven't boomed, but, you know, they certainly haven't dropped either, but they, um, it's it's the standard of those that are playing that's really impressed me. Like, I was last here in Brazil two years ago doing, you know, similar work, and from what I saw to where it is now, it's, you know, it's, it's much crisper. There's just the knowledge of, of the sport as a whole is, is far superior um, you know, I, I think there'd be a lot of suburban footy players from, you know, throughout Brisbane in, in comps I used to play in that might have struggled with the the pace and the size of some of the boys that, that played on the weekend. So it, it's uh, interesting to see it getting to that standard. There's some talent over there. I saw some footage of, I think it might have been one of the Rio players, and it was this massive dude with um, a big hairdo. Like, I wouldn't want to be tackling that guy. Like, I, 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 I'm not sure. You probably don't know who I'm talking about. Maybe you do. No, I, I think I do, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. And um, the the good thing or interesting thing with Rio is they've got a couple of Pacific Islander players as well. So they've got some, uh, I think, two Samoans uh, and two New Zealanders in their team um, who who live permanently over here and who speak fluent Portuguese. So, um you know that that's I would have never have thought of Rio as having a significant sort of islander population. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but you know nearly everyone is is born and bred. There's there's hardly a person that you'd say is like they just come here on holidays and is playing. They're, you know it's all residents and people who've got a, a stake in the game over here. So um, yeah, that's really positive from from the grassroots side of it. And, and so grassroots domestically, so we've had the championship this year. It's obviously been quite successful in that, you know, it's probably the most well-organised club rugby league we've seen over there to date. Um, yeah. There's been some good competition. It's all run smoothly, apart from maybe a few issues with jerseys, which we won't get into, but it's all <laughs> run pretty smoothly. What's the plan for next year? Do they do the same thing again? Do they look for more clubs? Do they look to expand it out 
to, to a longer period. What do you think yeah, happens next year over there? Uh, definitely a longer period. So I think instead of just consolidating um, as they have the last few years to the end of the year when the rugby union season's finished, next year they're going to tr- attempt to run competitions from January through to July um, and then maybe an additional comp at the end of the year. So um, looking at, at more games, more teams, more um, more regular play. Um, so there's, there's a couple of avenues of funding that will be coming through uh, domestically here. Um, an amazing thing that I should discuss is that in San Lorenzo, um, there's been a, approval for a like a sports centre of excellence for rugby league. That'll be the home of rugby league in Brazil. No um, way. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be quite cool if I'll, I'll have a talk to Hugo and see if we can get some photos online for people, or, or whether that's all a bit sort of hush hush in design terms at the moment. But that's that's very exciting to think. Um, you know, there's there's going to be a home of rugby league in in Brazil. So at the moment, a centre of excellence in Sao Paulo, oh, Sao yeah. Lorenzo. That's oh yeah. my god. <laughs> that's he's good that's at getting incredible. things done. Mate. Yeah, he know, he knows what he's doing. We need a few more few more Hugos around. But yeah. man, that's that's incredible if that gets off the ground. Um, mm. and and if so, you mentioned, I guess that this year they sort of ran it after the union season finished. So obviously all the players have played union before, but they're new to league. Is that correct? Not all of them. I'd say the majority. We actually, <laughs> very funny story. So after we did the school clinic on Friday, we went to uh, Decathlon, which is a sports chain over here. Um, and, and you think of them, it's like sort of like Rebel Sports or Super Amart or something like that. Um, and they, they've been had an interest in, in supporting our rugby league. So we went there and we ran a clinic. Uh, they the council came and shut the lights off outside so we moved it into the store and we widened the aisles uh-huh. in the shop and i'm talking like this is a big shop like it's not some tiny place where you can just run a mark like it, it was like uh, you know a major um a major shopping center uh so that the staff was so cool came and organized the aisles first and they were letting them play touch which turned into grab which turned into tackle <laughs> on on like concrete floor in the middle of you know shopping center, and then these uh, a couple of girls that were just shopping, they came over and said, "I've I've never played, but this looks awesome. Can I have a go?" And we said, "Yeah, come along tomorrow." And to be honest, they they might have even been two of the better players. <laughs> you know? Wow! Um, and so that's the exciting part is we haven't even scratched the surface of who's out there and and able to play the game. If we can pull two decent players out of a an appearance in a in a department store, then you know where else can this go? If we get people from from handball or from MMA or from basketball, yeah, etc. So there's yeah, the the potential is both huge, but also um you know we've got to live up to it and and capture everyone that's available. It's really exciting, and it and it just goes to show how important that World Cup is in 2021, not only for the women but for the sport in general. You know, a lot of people sort of questioned you know, why is Brazil there and, and nations like Fiji missed out, for example. But, you know, you can just see what what something like this can do. All of a sudden, there's there's a vibe, there's excitement. People have something to, to aim for and, and try and achieve. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger. You know, we, we need to remember that as a sport, you know, how, how, how long have they been playing rugby league for in Brazil? How many years? Um, it would be six years, but consistently with... You know, organised competition like this, it's probably three. So, um, you know, it, the the size of Brazil at the start made it difficult for them to connect, but now that's happening on a more regular basis. So, so um, it's really at just, early days. Yeah, sorry, go continue. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and I mean, the confederation itself, in terms of being a legal entity, is only you know just over a year old. So, um, you know, in terms of what can be achieved with with funding, etc., there's a, a lot of room to move. Um, but to, to go back to the point you were making before, um, there has been a lot of talk about why Fiji, not Brazil. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Adrian Vowles, who's the, the Fijian coach. So yep. it's a hard position. And, and I didn't even know that Fiji had missed out until Brazil was announced. So it was a bit of a, um, what would you say, like bittersweet moment because, it, you know, I felt for him. Um, but also at the same time, it's hugely exciting for Brazil to be in a World Cup. Um, and if... You know, they had decided they wanted to make it a, a 12 or 14 team women's comp. Like we'd be more than welcoming. Um, we've just got to 
make the most of this opportunity. They really could have expanded it. And I think they know that now, the World Cup committee. You know, they wanted they had to play it safe in a way as mm-hmm. well, you know. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if in 2025 there's as many women's teams as there are men's teams. We definitely have that potential there. There's nations popping up everywhere. Um, yep. And, and to, like, to Brazil's credit, Brazil had played a women's international before Fiji as well. So, you know, although Fiji is more of a rugby league nation than Brazil might be, um, they Brazil played women's rugby league first. So we need to take... I guess we those sorts of things were taken into account as well, but it's certainly exciting over there. Um, without, sorry, without I to, yeah. no, you're without wanting to speak for the rugby league world cup personnel. Like I look at it in two ways: is 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 first, it's it's not always about just what's happening on the field, and I think by the things that I've discussed with you today about what Hugo's doing away from the field, we see that we've got a good administrator who's running a a tight ship, um, and. We know throughout the world of rugby league that's not always a case. Yeah. Um, so he got all his documentation in early, uh, and and maybe it, it wasn't so much about what happened on the field, but how good it was off the field. So that you know, and, and I don't know. No one said that specifically to me, but if I was, you know, making a decision, and I had you know a couple of countries that had problems out of the last World Cup with, with with money or with with the infrastructure, etc. You don't want repeats of that happening. So. Um, you know, and then away from that is the the viewership potential. So when rugby league was broadcast in Brazil, I believe it was the third largest broadcast audience for the NRL. Um, the game between France and Brazil at the Women's Football World Cup was the largest watched women's sport event ever, I think. So, and that you know, a, la- a large part of that has to do with their skill, but also the the pure size of the populations of Brazil and France. So. Um, you know, there's there's some grounds there away from from simply what's happening on the field. So the the yeah is is rugby league or is the NRL still shown on TV over there or is that stopped since I think it was 2014 it was first shown wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 2013-14 it was shown over here and then it's not been since, which is is a huge challenge for us because NFL gets shown here. Um, yeah. And. Yeah, if you if you take a ball outside of these cities where we've been playing, most kids will try and throw a rugby league ball like a gridiron ball. Um, yeah. and they you know they even have advertisements over here with NFL players on TV. Um, that you know that in itself is is cool because it shows us that it can be done to to penetrate the foreign market and to capture the imagination of some of the athletes over here. How do you explain? all of that as well so you know brazil obviously well known for their their football their soccer how how do you explain these egg-shaped ball sports sort of gaining traction um i'd say because it's it's an opportunity for people of, of different physique in some ways like if you're not super athletically um like cardio based and you start to be a bigger kid when you're around 14, 15, then you're probably not going to make it in in football over here. Um, And it it has become very cutthroat, the football circles here. If, you know, they identify talent very young and kids know if they're not going to be an elite player in football at a fairly young age here. So um, they want to pursue other things. Uh, And I think with with the internet, people are learning far more about things outside their, their circle. So... Um, there's that ability too, and of course, rugby union being at the Olympics was was huge for the sport here. Yeah, crazy. And I think there was a um, I think there was a sevens tournament on in Dubai, a rugby sevens tournament on whilst all of this was happening last weekend in Brazil. So, do you think there were some some players over there that could have been playing with you guys, or is, do you think that affects it a little bit? Oh. Definitely, and um, there was actually one of the biggest seven tournaments in uh, in Brazil was on last weekend as well. So um, there were you know hundreds of players there, and and many of them, some a couple of them kind of played one day at ours and went one day over there. Um, but there were obviously more players that that could have played, but I just wanted to focus on on rugby seven. So um, that was just a, a difficult clash with the arrival of the the World Cup. Did we? You know, not yeah. hold the games that same weekend, or you know, if we put it off another week, then 
the visiting delegates would wouldn't have been able to see any of the standard over here. So, yeah, that was a bit of a catch twenty two. I think they had to play. You know, you can't. It's hard to plan around all these sorts of things. Um, you know, we saw uh, we saw um, Great Britain play New Zealand at the same time as a rugby World Cup final as well. So sometimes these clashes, it's hard to avoid. Uh, yeah. Maybe sometimes to, it should to be. be fair, we, we announced our event first too. So Rugby Union announced theirs after us. Um, so it would have looked a bit retrograde for us to, to backpedal as soon as they announced theirs and change times. Do you think that might have been part of their plan? If we're talking conspiracy uh, theories or <laughs> it's not really like that over there? I don't know. Well... I mean, that's what you'd, you'd sort of initially think, but I'll, I'd say until now we've had a, a fairly positive relationship with Brazil Rugby Union. I find out of pretty much all the countries that I've been involved with that Brazil has got the least friction between the two. Um, yeah. But that's not to say it doesn't, you know, there, there might not be some sort of uh, resentment out there, but at, at the moment it all works. And I think everyone knows with the population that's here, yeah, together we... You know, we can mine a lot more people out there to, to participate in both games. There's enough for everyone, right, to be successful. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's so, like it's a crazy population over there. And uh, look, you mentioned me the, the yeah, other sorry. day there's, um, there's more than 100 cities with 500,000, with a population of 500,000 or more in Brazil, which is insane. You know, like in, That's crazy. In, in Australia, it's like six, I think. So, yeah, that is insane. And, and yeah, we. We don't even realise that sort of stuff, you know. We're as as sort of um, rugby league fans, we always look to places like the US for, mm. for for you know people say, oh, let's try and get into China, let's try and get into India, let's get into the states. But it's places like Brazil that are that are just sort of they've got some talent there, ready to go. So excited about it, man. And you mentioned um, you mentioned early in this conversation that you're also spending some time in in Colombia. So what, tell us what's happening over there. Yeah. Before I quickly segue into that, um, yeah. the other thing for people who are at home don't know a lot about Brazil, like Sao Paulo, is just, the city has got 22 million people living in it and the state has 45 million people in it. So the city is almost as big as Australia in total population and then, you know, the state's, you know, kind of almost double the size of Australia. Which it is, reminds um, me... Reminds me a little bit of California Rugby League, which I spoke to at length last week. So it's that, those sort of population sizes, very similar. Insane. Yeah, and so today our yeah, fly out to Colombia, there's a, a match happening between Antofagasta of Chile and Santa Marta of Colombia. Um, and Santa Marta and Colombia has worked incredibly hard there. They've come from virtually nothing to having, you know, I think it's now half a dozen teams in the city area. And... You know, for those who are fresh to geography with Colombia, it's it's on the Caribbean coast. Before they had most of their games were in the interior with Bogota or Medellin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm e expecting some some beautiful beaches and, and that type of thing when we go there. <laughs> I believe there's there's even a day we've got a, a clinic and we need to hop on a speedboat to get there. So um, that's another video that I hope to share afterwards. That'll be pretty cool. Um, and we'll do four yeah. four four. Sorry, we'll do four days of development work and then actually coming back to Sao Paulo to do a, a bit more uh, next week. And then I've got two weeks out in the, the west of Brazil, um, kind of from where my wife is near. But there's also a, a big club out there that made the final of the men's competition called Maringá. Um, and they just need to help you know, bringing things along because they're one of the most isolated clubs in, in Brazil. So that's, that's kind of what the itinerary looks like. And you're just having a great holiday over there. This is fantastic. <laughs> like there, like that is incredible. I've, I need to. Um, it's on my bucket list. I've never been to South America, but I need to get over there. It seems. And man, tell us a little bit more about this. So, Antofagasta in Chile is one of the two regions that play rugby league over there. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Colombia is growing as well. So they've just gained one of the most recent um, nations to gain um, observer status with the international rugby league. People don't realise how much is actually happening there. So can we can we dig a little bit deeper into what's going on in those two nations and, and what this match this week sort of means for them? Yeah, well, to, to take a step back, like to, to fly from Antofagasta to um, Santa Marta is 5,000 kilometres, which is further than from Sydney to Perth. Um, they've organised that themselves. They, you know, Antofagasta, I think, in, in the whole of South America... 
as a city is the most motivated. They've organized themselves to go over to Argentina. They, you know, they always, um, I guess, engaging with the community and trying to do different things to get the sport going. They've got, you know, just some fantastic blokes there with, with the initiative. Um, and yeah, for them to say, look, Colombia, we're going to come up and visit you with the wages that people are on in Latin America is, is mind blowing. You know, that's such a courageous thing for them to do. You know, Latin Heat, Latin American Rugby League put in a little bit of money to help them with their accommodation, but they they got it all going in the first place and they paid for their airfares, etc. So um, those guys, you know, I think on a wider scale, a rugby league should be recognised for what they're doing um, to grow the sport on their off their own back. They're not they're not putting out their hand and they're not sort of complaining about anything. They're just getting the job done and, and they're leading the way for all clubs um, throughout the continent. So. Um, big ups to them. Uh, you probably saw too, Guillermo uh, Arteaga, who's heavily involved in Antofagasta Rugby League, recently went to Peru, it was last week, and he was running clinics there. So um, they don't just look after their own backyard, they're, they're big pioneers in other countries to, to help develop the sport. Yeah, I saw Guillermo there with Jamie as well. So there's, there's, uh, it's just funny, like all the, all the South American nations, they're doing things without fuss or fanfare like they're not making a lot of noise they're just getting making it happen and um well, I, I know until you know probably even as as little as a year ago people were saying well, do they actually you know do they play rugby league over there or we don't believe it's happening or have you actually got competitions and and i kind of think well i don't know what i've been doing with the last seven years of my life if not but <laughs> yep this this visit this weekend by their delegates from england is um as much as it's very informational um, and we've got a lot out of it, the big thing is is morale for the people over here to see that the wider rugby league world cares about them and accepts them. That changes a, a whole lot. You know, that it's so encouraging, not just to the Brazilians, but to the others as well. And they know that their opportunity is not too far down the track too. And, and maybe this will be more, more regular that we're going to have, you know, top flight administrators coming over to, to check it out. Um, you know, touch wood, been no safety um, concerns at all, which I think is a big thing that's held people back in the, in the past. They have a, a bit of a um, uh, maybe an outdated idea of what it's like in Latin America. Um, yeah. So I think this trip and the reception and the experience that the people have had all, all paved the way for a, a you know different view of that. It is it is great from the administrators' perspective as well, and they've been they need to be commended as well because in in 2019 we've seen the World Cup the actual trophy touring Jamaica, Nigeria, and now Brazil. And this is the yeah. Rugby League World Cup trophy. So they're prepared to go into these new areas. Um, they're prepared to find out wh what's happening at, at grassroots and, and really, I guess, be able to plan for the future off the back of that. We haven't, as a sport, done anything like that before. And I think, yeah, there's, there's plenty to be excited about. Um, man, I'm a big believer in measuring people by their intent, you know, so some people might not get things right all the time, but what they intend to do. And I think rugby league at the moment on an international stage is intending to do a lot of innovative, more open-minded things than it has in the past. And they, they do deserve a big rap. Um, you know, I, I think the example that John Dutton's setting from the top down for this yeah. next world cup is, is just liberating. It's, it's so more open and, um, creative than things have been at, at different times in the game's history. So, you know, for, for blokes like me and you, it's, um, you know, that's what we've been waiting for, isn't it? Well, definitely. Well, seven years ago when you first started, it would have been much, much harder for you to, to, to get this sort of support. Oh, very, yeah. It was, it was very dismissive back then and, and funding is was almost impossible. Like if you've got a couple of footballs, you'd be extremely happy with that. So, um, you know, we're still not, we're not sort of getting massive worlds of cash or anything, but we're getting the the interest in in the development and the, the areas that we need and and making international games happen, which is you know very much appreciated. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And get get those videos out, get those photos out, because if there's one one, I know we did mention, or I, I said that you know they're doing it over there with very little fanfare, but I think mm -hmm. they deserve to start making some noise. Like I, I'm always interested to find. Um, some footage or some imagery coming out of South America in particular. Places like Chile and Colombia, you don't hear much about it. I don't know if it's a language barrier or something like that too, but 
Only recently, like over the last couple of weeks, have I started to see more and more coming out from Brazil in terms of social media. And I've tried to share a little bit of that on on my channels as well. But I just want to see more of it, man, because it's it's definitely there. And we just need to show show the pub. Like it's not even about showing the rest of the world. Like one of the reasons I started this podcast was to let NRL fans know that there's more to league than the NRL. And mm. you know, if we can open up some of those eyes, then they're gonna they're gonna be able to spread the word as well of, of rugby league around the world. Yeah, I've got a couple of good videos that'll be be coming um, that we'll put together, but it's um it's been a matter of go 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 at the moment. So we'll, we'll get <laughs> yeah. those done. And also, some of the some of the biggest hits I saw on the weekend, unfortunately, I was the referee. I should have had a camera strapped to my head for those. But um, <laughs> yeah. I know that there's some people out there, you know, that were spectators that got really good footage and, and hopefully we can, you know, accumulate all that as well and put that into to what we're spreading out there. Well, I spoke to some of the players um, yesterday and the day before and a lot of, so a lot of the, a few of the female players are photographers in their spare time. So they were yeah. taking photos just, you know, you know, for free, of course, like just taking shots and, and sharing them around. And it's mm. good to see, and you know, I think I want to see more of that in in play, you know places in Europe and Asia and all over the place. So it's really good to see, and I just hope that more and more people can can like and share and and follow all this sort of stuff because yeah, it's really important, man. I'll, I'll I um and I know you agree with that, but man, I just want yeah. to um I know it's uh, early morning over there, and you're getting ready for your flight to Colombia. So like, once again, I really appreciate you spending this time with me, but I want to sort of figure out from your perspective you know you've had some you've met some good people over there you're seeing what the what the talent's like at the moment you've compared it to the last time you were over there um you've spoken strategic planning with some important people over there what does the next five maybe 10 maybe even 15 years look like in brazil like how do you see it going and what needs to be done to to turn them into you know to get them to world cups in the men's in the men's rugby league as well as women's yeah i think for me at, at the moment probably 15 years is, is too hard hard to look at simply because of how quickly things are changing um yep. uh, we've got i think just over 600 days to the world cup so everything is focused around that but also you know in a line with obviously growing long term i think for every every nation not just brazil it's all about getting our our structures in, in place and safeguarding for the future. So, you know, we've been having a lot of fun um, playing games and organising events, etc. But now that you're in a World Cup, there's a lot of paperwork to be done behind the scenes and things like, you know, everything has to be standardised now, your codes of conduct, um, you know, having uh, everyone having, you know, correct a, a documentation so they can work with children in schools. And uh, I guess compliance is is really going to be a heavy thing for us over the next couple of months. Um, that, and that's not the entertaining part of rugby league, but for us to, to be sustainable for the future and to, um, you know, to, to have a real presence, that's where we've got to concentrate immediately. Um, but then, yeah, longer term, I'd, I'd like to think that we could have, you know, a set international program between the Latin American nations that was mapped out in advance or further in advance than it, it currently is um, so that they can have you know, that, that more regular expo exposure to international games and the more international games are played, the more the domestic players want to play. Um, you know, unlike in Australia where everyone's happy to play for their, their club and playing for your nation's nice, over here really that's that's the carrot that gets things going. Um, yeah. and, and without that, you, you struggle to attract more numbers because they find other activities to do in the meantime. Uh, so I think that's... That's got to be a big goal as well as to, to keep rolling that calendar and, and expanding it. No one warns you about that paperwork, hey, when you're trying to set up rugby league around the world. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a bit, it's pretty full on, uh, which, which it has to be, you know, it's important. Um, mm. you, you hit on something there with the, with more internationals and we're meant to see a South American cup in Colombia this year, but that, that was postponed. Um, yep. is that, is that going ahead in 2020? Yeah, so Colombia will have the, the chance to host that again next year. Um, you know, where this becomes interesting is Chile will be in the next America's Cup again. So they were in the, the last one where they had the, the chance to qualify for the 2021 World Cup. But 
Um, yep. Unfortunately, came away with two losses, but they'll be going to Jamaica um, in 2020 uh, at the end of that year. So that it kind of makes it hard for them to participate in too much else because they've got to save all the money and get things going for that. But, the, you know, one possibility is that they drop into Colombia on the way through to Jamaica. Um, but we've still got to sort that all out, what happens for them. Uh, and then the, the interesting development is that it's been suggested that if another country comes online with the similar strength to um, Brazil and to Chile, that they'll then split the America's Cup into two um, and there'll be a North and a South conference. And then I think from there that the chances, obviously, with there's a lot more countries in Latin America than there is in the North. So we could grow quite quickly in that regard. So all of a sudden from being a minor participant in the America's Cup, Latin America could have the bulk of teams um, yeah. that are participating. That's incredible. And we could see, I guess, Brazil Brazil participating in instead of Chile in the years to come as well. Like I've heard things like, and you could probably correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I've heard that Chile could be playing Brazil for that fourth spot in the America's Cup if a third strong nation in South America doesn't come on board in the next couple of years. No, that game won't go ahead now. It was some talk of that earlier, but um, it's been accepted that, that Chile is incumbent or go into that game. And then next time round, um, there'll be a playoff to see who has that opportunity. Um, we've just, yes, there's simply too much on the plate um, at the moment with all this um, for that game to happen. And, and coming to an agreeable venue was, was kind of hard. Brazil thinks as, um, you know, and I'm, I'm putting a neutral hat on here as, as Latin Heat sort of um, secretary and not uh, in my Brazilian role, but um, Brazil thought as a um, as the current men's championship for Latin America, which, you know, Chile didn't participate last year, that they should hold, hold the game and Chile felt, you know, as the top-ranked nation and, um, and the America's Cup participant, that they should host it. So an agreement couldn't be reached and time was running out. So... Um, yeah, it was just decided that Chile will progress through to that game. I love talking to you, man. So much knowledge. I always learn so much stuff. So thank you so much. Uh, before I let you uh, go and pack for your Colombian uh, trip, um, is there anything you want to mention, any shout-outs you want to give or any messages you'd like to share? Um, I don't want to be sound like a cliche, but any anybody that um, you know is interested in partnering with what we're doing would be hugely appreciated the chance to take girls from being unknowns and you know from little country towns in some stage to playing at old trafford um is immense it's it's dramatic and moving but at, you know it's going to take a lot of funds and um you know to as as you can see by everything i've discussed today that it doesn't all just happen uh simply um there's a huge uh, economy here to, to be tapped into and obviously huge population so um i don't want to you know be be begging around the streets but if anyone can help in that regard it's you know it would give us a massive leg up for what we want to achieve where we don't lack ambition at all just uh you know resources are not always forthcoming in rugby league um as you know mate um i'll share your details in the show notes and of course if anyone want would wants to reach out to me and i can put them in contact with you as well so um yeah. you know more than happy to to try and help with that if we can. Mate, um, Rob Bergen, the godfather of Latin Rugby League, thank you for coming on last minute at short notice. Um, and it's been great. You know, last time you were on the show, you were hosting it on your own. So it's great to, to be speaking to you for this one as well. And hopefully we, yeah, we, do, hopefully we do it again in 2020, mate. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there we go, Rob Bergen. I always learn so much from that guy. Uh, really doing great things. Godfather of Latin Rugby League. I uh, hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I enjoyed having it. And guys, it's time for Golden Point, so let's get started. Uh, let's start in Brazil, actually. Let's keep talking about Brazil. So Golden Point, Brazil. And thanks to Mylena Koch, who played for the Urutau women's side uh, over the weekend. She provided these scores for me. Uh, and some photos as well. She's one of the photographers that I that I was talking about uh, during my convo with Rob. So Golden Point Brazil, Autotel Rugby, they are the champions of the Top 1 Brazilian uh, Championship 2019. Uh, the two semi-finals and grand final were played all over one day. So in the semis, Autotel 42 over San Lorenzo Roosters 6. 
then in the other final, the Moringa Hawks, they defeated the Rio Warriors 30 points to 24. Grand final, Urutau took it out 30 points to 4 over Moringa. Uh, huge game for them. Congratulations. Uh, in the women's, so there was quite a number of games in the women's tournament. Uh, the Remenadas side taking the first place trophy in that one. So they beat the likes of Urutau, San Lorenzo and Rio uh, to take it out. So lots of games happening there. Uh, all the results are on our social media pages. I won't go through all of them. But uh, guys, Golden Point over to Canada. And uh, I'm excited about this one. So a few sources online are reporting that Canadian-born former Toronto Wolfpack back rower Quinn Nagati is in discussions to return to the Super League club for 2020. Now, Quinn moved over to Union after you know seeing very little game time for the pack uh, after they were promoted from League One to the Championship. I'd love to see Quinn back again, even if it means I may potentially have to decide on a new podcast sign-off for 2020. He deserves it, and uh, yeah, it would be awesome. Guys, Golden Point over to Turkey. It's grand final time, baby, over in Turkey this weekend. And for the second year in a row, the Ankara Club will be there for both games. So in the women's grand final, it's going to be Ankara versus Izmir. And in the men's, it's going to be Ankara versus Trakya. Um, the Ankara Club, they've dominated the, the Turkish domestic competition in 2019, and they'll they'll start as favourites to take out both titles. So last year, uh, the men lost uh, against the Katakoi Bulls. They'll be looking to go one, one better, uh, whereas the women, they'll be looking to go back-to-back, and I believe they both will. They'll both win. Uh, hopefully I haven't put the, mo- put the mocker on them, but I think they'll both win. Guys, golden point over to Wales. Massive shout-out and congratulations to my guy, Billy Forrester, on his appointment as the new team manager for Wales Rugby League students. So Billy's the man behind the Welsh Mighty Ducks. He's a driving force behind the North Wales Origin concept, and he's now been rewarded in a role which will see him in a position to help develop future Welsh talent. Uh, I, for one, think he's the best man for the job. And Billy was, of course, a guest on this podcast, episode 37. We did a long Q&A check that out if you haven't already and uh, yeah Billy you deserve it mate congratulations Uh, Golden Point Canada so back to Canada the British Columbia Rugby League they'll be welcoming team number six into their competition next season so the Whistler Wolves welcome to to the Rugby League family Uh, they're set to join the likes of the the champs the Point Grey Thunder and my favourite club the Vancouver Dragons in in 2020 Uh, well done to Blake and the guys over there I know they've been working hard in the background over the past few months to make this a reality I know they're listening so Blake and team keep hashtag growing the game in Canada guys well done Golden Point USA and last week we took a deep dive into California Rugby League while it happened, the big game is over. Many of you will know the score. So San Fran Savage, they've got first bragging rights with a comprehensive 56-12 win over the LA Mongrel. It was much tighter. Halftime, I think, it was 24 points to 12. At one point, LA were winning 12-6, but San Fran were just too big, too strong, and you know unlimited interchange. Uh, they just ran over them in the end. Uh, the official crowd was reported at 500-plus. Uh, so I know a few of you have been asking me that over the last couple of days. 500 plus is the official answer. Uh, in my opinion, that's great. Would have been a great number even if it wasn't for the terrible weather and venue change. So they had all sorts of issues over there uh, in the lead up. But all the players I spoke to, they described the game as intense. A lot of them said it was a very dirty, rough game, uh, but they had a lot of fun. They're looking forward to more in 2020. Um, the only disappointment really was there was meant to be a live stream. It uh, wasn't possible due to weather conditions. I know a lot of fans were, I guess, complaining or asking me what was going on. I think Nate Gladden had a few of those questions as well, directed his way. Um, but, and, you know, despite all the teething problems, you know, hats off to Tom and the guys. Like, they had shit weather all year, uh, all week, sorry, I should say, in the lead up to this thing. Um, they were forced to change venue last minute, but the crowd was still 500 plus. Uh, the product on the field was strong. They had some teething problems with that live feed, but there will be, uh, the full match will be up on YouTube probably by the time this episode is live. So if you're listening to this and you want to watch it, I'll I'll share some links on our social media pages uh, if you're not following California Rugby League already, which you should be. But guys, well done to Tom and the team. Um, Just great work. And this is just the beginning. So really excited for Rugby League in California. Guys, golden point over to Peru. So another former guest and friend of the show, Jamie Perez, he's back from Peru after a week of educating athletes and building networks in Lima. So as a result of his hard work and, and some of the team over there, 
two sporting clubs have agreed to form rugby league teams for next season. There'll now be some regular training sessions which will take place in Lima in the lead-up to their inaugural domestic competition, which could begin in February 2020. So Jamie featured on episode 26 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. We discussed uh, the launch and future of Peru Rugby League. So if you haven't listened to that one already, make sure you do. That was another good one. Guys, golden point. Over to Greece. Uh, so the domestic competition continued over the weekend with two games. So the RS Eagles, they defeated the Attica Rhinos 32-26 at home. And the Patras Panthers, they lost to the Athens Raiders 14 points to 12. Now, I could be wrong. So George Stylianos, the guys from, and the guys from Greece, if you are listening, please reach out and let me know. But I believe that uh, this was the first victory ever for the Raiders side. If I'm correct, well done. If not, sorry. But yeah, good win. Good win. Uh, nonetheless uh, another interesting fact from that game was that three guys from the Tirana Rugby League Club in Albania made the trip down to be a part of that Patras side so well done I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to ruin I'm going to butcher these names but I'll try and pronounce it because they deserve it well done to Neretan Tafili uh, Shaban Penzo Penzo and Eugene Gokaj uh, the guys from Albania who played for P- uh, Patras Panthers over the weekend in the Greek Rugby League a golden point over to Malta. So a few weeks ago, I mentioned that Malta will be playing uh, their first women's international in 2020, uh, and they were looking for a new a name or mascot. Uh, so they've confirmed that the women's side will be known as the Malta Dames, and Dames, of course, the opposite to Knights, which is the men's side. So I think that's really cool. Golden point, and this news is a couple of weeks old now, but... I didn't record Golden Points last week, and I think this one's huge, so I want to mention it. So the Cavite Silktails, so they're obviously the Ron Massey Cup side from Fiji, uh, who will be making their way into New South Wales competition next year. They've announced a partnership with the Cronulla Sharks, uh, and hats off to the Sharks. Everyone knows I'm not their biggest fans, but I can't help but applaud them on this one. They've pretty much opened up a direct pathway from Fiji to the NRL, uh, which is awesome. So the way it will work, the best local Fiji Vodafone Cup competition players, they'll obviously be playing for the Cavite side in that New South Wales-based Ron Massey Cup. From there, the best guys uh, could be selected to play for the Newtown Jets, Cronulla's um, reserve grade side, and then, you know, obviously sky's the limit. They could be playing for the Sharks after that. So awesome work for all involved. Can't wait to see these guys on the park next year. And the final golden point for tonight, for this episode, uh, over to New Zealand. So Sky Sport have come on board as a major sponsor of the Kiwi Ferns. Uh, The broadcaster will also play a major role in helping develop and increase the level of women's rugby league in New Zealand. So Sky will be the naming rights sponsor of the new National Women's Rugby League competition over there. The deal runs until 2023. So huge news uh, for the Kiwi Ferns, especially after their their Nines victory, World Cup victory over Australia this year. Well, how good is that? It's mid-December and there is so much going on around the world of rugby league. It's kind of hard to believe, but I absolutely love it. Uh, guys, that was our second last episode for the year. There's one more in the can. I've actually already recorded it um, and it's pretty different. Oh, it's pretty special. Um, so it's a double header. It's a world first for podcasting, but it's a double header podcast. Um, and what I mean by that is, let me explain. So I got together with a guy who calls himself the biggest tiger. He's the host of the Sporting Best Friends podcast. Uh, he's interviewed people like Paul Gallen, uh, Clint and Chifosky, uh, Matthew Elliott. That was a great episode, one of my favorites. Um, and he asked to interview me uh, for his show as well, which was pretty humbling because uh, I'm kind of a nobody compared to some of the people that he's interviewed, but, you know, kind of nice to be interviewed. Uh, and yeah, we had a good chat and I also asked him to co-host the final episode of Chasing Kangaroos for the year with me as well, which is like a hashtag grow the, grow the game moments of the year, sort of retrospective on the year that was. So we had a really good conversation. We had a few wines, uh, got, got a bit drunk. Um, but, uh, yeah, that whole, both episodes we recorded back to back. It was all produced uh, and recorded by Paul Murchison, who... He's the producer of Sporting Best Friends, and you may remember he was also the producer of the International Rugby League podcast with me. So got good to reunite with Paul, and great to have a chat and record two podcast episodes back-to-back 
with the biggest tiger so we'll be releasing that as a double header next week um look forward to that guys it was a lot of fun actually i can't wait to hear it back <laughs> as well uh, but until then uh, feel free to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter thank you to everyone who shares the page uh, anyone who's written reviews people who tell their friends even if you haven't like if you it just thanks for listening to the show if you love it but uh yeah tell your friends as well really appreciate it uh guys that's it for me this week we'll be back next week with the last episode for 2019 but until then thank you to ricky cancino and ash barco for our theme music and of course fuck you nagari